Welcome to In Your Lane Podcast with Richard Lane, where faith and culture intersect. We discuss a myriad of topics on this tour, In Your Lane. We'll ride along and talk about everyday events that affect our society, culture, and our daily lives. From time to time, we will make some pit stops and pick up some guests that we call passengers who will join us from all walks on this journey. There'll be faith leaders from all denominations, business leaders, politicians, and everyday people just like you and I. We're trying to navigate this cruise that we call life. So welcome, sit back, buckle up, and let's roll in your lane. Welcome to In Your Lane Podcast. I am your host, Catholic Evangelist Richard Lane. I hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to this next episode in the series of what I have called The Conversation. Uh, we have had a series of conversations with people uh, that I know uh, from all walks of life, all over the world, um, and I would encourage you to please go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. Uh, you can find In Your Lane podcast on Spotify, on SoundCloud, as well as Apple Music. All you have to do is just search In Your Lane podcast, In Your Lane podcast, all one word. Uh, what else do we need to talk about? I want to make sure that I welcome, that I thank uh, this episode is coming to you by so by a couple of great sponsors who made this prop uh, made this possible. I want to thank a uh, an anonymous donor from Michigan State University uh, who has made the last three episodes possible. I want to thank you very much, Smarty On. I guess I'm going to have to root for Michigan State University a uh, hundred years after Magic Johnson is gone. So. Uh, Sparty on. Let's go Michigan State. And I want to also thank a couple of other anonymous donors that have really made it possible uh, for this broadcast to continue. If you would like to make a donation, please go, or if you would like to sponsor an episode, please go to richardlaneministries.com forward slash donate. richardlaneministries.com forward slash donate. For those of you that are in the Detroit metropolitan area, I want to remind you to please make sure that all of your electronic devices are charged because we have some uh, uh, we have some rough weather that's coming in. We've got some storms, some wind storms, as well as some uh, rainstorms, and they are predicting that the power will go out. So if you're in the Detroit metropolitan area or southeastern Michigan, please make sure that all of your devices are charged. If you're like me and you don't have air conditioning in your house, close your windows so you don't have water all in the house as well. Got a great episode lined up for you today as we continue the conversation of the the murder of George Floyd that happened, um, I believe, 15 days ago to this day. This podcast comes to you on June the 10th, 2020, we've been really talking about what's going on, how people are feeling, and what is going on in our nation. One of the things that I've heard so many times, and I, I admit that I have had uh, this same bias, if you will, the media, the media, the media is portraying things in their own view, in their own purview, from their own perspective. We have the we have the CNN 
point of view, for those that are that are uh, that are liberal, we have the Fox point of view for those that are conservative. And I think that's one of the main issues in my eyes is that we have become a society that is more focused on left and right versus up and down versus north and south, meaning heaven and hell. You know, there's gonna there's plenty of of Democrats and Republicans that are burning in hell. There's plenty of of conservatives and liberals that are burning in hell. And Jesus never never described himself as a liberal or a conservative. And if we wish to to seek change, the change that we seek, then we must, you know, those of us that are Christian, we need to look to Jesus. We need to look to to he that is he that is within us. For those of you that are not Christian, the, you, we need to look to the goodness in our hearts. And that's why I want to welcome my next guest to the episode because she is a young African American journalist, a very beautiful, educated young woman um, who has dedicated her life to telling the stories of other people. And I would like to get her perspective. And so I want to welcome Jordan Brown to In Your Lane today. Jordan, it's so good to see you. And I want, for all intents and purposes, I want to let everybody know that I have a beautiful family. We have a beautiful family. And Jordan is my first, second, third cousin. And um, so I just want to say, I want to welcome you. And I want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to tell you how proud I am of you, Jordan. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think these conversations are important, so I'm happy to be a part of them. Thank you. Now, Jordan, just for um, uh, legal purposes, and like I said, I love you. I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, do you need to do a disclaimer? Yes, all any opinions or stories are not a reflection of my company or my station or any past stations that I worked for. This is simply me giving my experience um, that I've had over the past few weeks and over the last few years as a journalist. Thank you. And I want everybody to know that, again, the the ultimate goal of this particular interview is really to get, you know, a lot of people say the media, the media, the media. I want to talk to some, Anderson Cooper didn't pick, didn't answer my tweet. Don Lemon didn't pick up the phone. Um, Rush Limbaugh, um, anyway, you know, none of them picked up my phone call or my tweet and responded to requests to be on my show. So um, let's jump right into it, Jordan. You're, what do you hear? What do you feel as a journalist, as an anchor, as an anchor person? What do you feel when people generalize and say it's the media's fault? Well, there are a few emotions. Um, people are entitled to their opinions. Um, and if they see it that way, that the media is kind of perpetuating whatever, you know, narrative, um, that, that's their right to feel that way. But my job and the job of every journalist is to tell the story the way it is. Um, we work really hard to not include our biases in our stories and just get both sides at all times and tell the facts. And 
I know I work really hard to do that, to make sure both sides are heard, whether I agree with both sides or not, that doesn't matter. My job is to tell the story the way, uh, from the eyes of the people um, and from the eyes of the community. And so when I hear people say, the, the media is pushing their own narrative, it's, it's actually the opposite. We work really hard to do the exact opposite of that. So sometimes, you know, you want to question people and kind of dig deeper and find out why they feel that way. But at the same time, all you can do is just continue to do the best job that you know how to do. Are there media outlets that are dedicated to pushing their own narrative? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm, sh I'm sure there are. Um, if you look at CNN and Fox, you know, those are great examples. They, they kind of stick to one side and that's the side that they feel and they, they have a right to do that. You know, it's their, that company's right to do that. Um, but from my perspective in local news, we work really hard to, like I said, tell the story of the people in, in an unbiased way. In your experience, first of all, how long have you been a journalist? I got my first job in journalism in 2018. So about two years now. And I've worked at two different stations since then, um, both local news. Um, one was a very small town and the one I'm in now is a mid-sized market. Have you seen a struggle in, um, in since you came into this industry in 2018? Is, is there a difference? Have you seen a different set of standards for a woman and as a black woman or have 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 you just come in seemingly and just had equal opportunities as all of your peers i wouldn't say that i've seen a different standard um as far as what's expected of me uh, but i think i put a, a, a different standard on myself because i feel like as a black woman um there there are not many of us in journalism and that's that's just a fact that's not a dig at anyone um, but, you know, a lot of times you'll come into a station where you are one of two or three or four, you know, out of the whole newsroom. And so I sometimes put uh, the pressure and responsibility on myself because I feel like I have to be a voice. I have to be a representative. You have to be emblematic of the people of the, the, the people you represent. Yes. But at the same time, I don't want to be known I don't want that to encompass my abilities as a journalist, as a journalist. I don't want to be known as the reporter that can only do stories about the black community. And don't get me wrong. I, I love being able to represent and be a voice for that community. But it's hard because, you know, sometimes you're expected not from the station or the company, but from your community. You know, they see that you may be the only one or, or um, one of few and say, okay, well, it's up to you to tell our stories. It's up to you to speak up and make sure that our stories get heard. Um, so so there's, there's that pressure there because I want to do that, but at the same time, I wanna be good at any story they put in front of me, whether it's about health or politics or you know, just a feel-good community story. I wanna be able to kill every one of them. Amen, amen. You know, I was 
Um, when I was at Morehouse College with your mom, your mom was at Spelman the same time I was at Morehouse. My ultimate dream job, I wanted to be a sportscaster. Um, you know, I looked up to, I wanted to be the next Bryant Gumbel. Uh, one of my heroes was the late, great Stuart Scott. Uh, I, I, I would always say he stole my job because I wanted to be Stuart Scott. As a matter of fact, I wear an earring in my right ear because of Stuart Scott. Um, that's, that's my story. I remember, um, you know, I wear my earrings purposely because of Ed Bradley. I mean, come on. Ed Bradley is like the godfather. Uh, who are some of the people that you looked up to? Who are some of your role models that you looked up to and said, I want to be like them? And I also remember I loved I loved the inter- – and I know I'm getting a little bit older than you, but I loved the interview style of Walter Cronkite, and I loved his voice. Do you, do you remember him? I, d- I don't. <laughs> okay. All right. I just showed my age. <laughs> but um, – who are some of the people that you looked up to that you that you uh, said I want to be like? Um, this is going to sound cliche, but of course, Oprah. I I love her interview style because she wasn't afraid to just jump right into it. She would ask all the questions um, that everybody else w- was thinking. You know, not just the basic who, what, when, where, why, but you know. Well, why did you do this? And what what were you thinking when you did that? So <laughs> Oprah is always a, a huge influence. Um, growing up in, in Metro Detroit, Carmen Harlan, of course, growing up, oh, she yes. she was great. Yeah. Um, Sean Robinson. Now, she did entertainment news for a while, but she also, you know, does more hard news. She started in local news. And I always thought that, you know, not only is she beautiful, but she she has a great interview style and she is her style is similar to oprah's in that she you know she'll just jump right in and, and ask the question so and she's also a spelmanite like my mother so shout out <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there are so many influences and and not um just black women you know there are so many great journalists out there that have inspired me over the years and that i still look to now we just lost we just lost a giant um for women in the sports industry phyllis george she passed away this year um just within the past couple of months phyllis george was uh the first female sports caster on a national network back in the 1970s i mean she broke ground for so many women in sports, um, yeah, you you know we had the Jane Kennedys at the time. Um, uh, another one of my heroes, uh, I can't think of her name. Uh, it, it escapes me. She went from ESPN to she's now on ABC. Hold um, on, help me, help me. She's on. It's like the. The Today Show or whatever I can't think. Robin Roberts. Robin Roberts, yes, she's amazing, and and Gail King too. She's an amazing interviewer. Yeah. Yes. Let's let's get into let's get into the topic. Let's get into what's going on. Have you in your career? Uh, and I don't want to get into George Floyd as of right now, but in your career, have you had the chance to do 
or cover stories that were similar to that of George Floyd. And when I say similar, I'm talking about uh, the, you know, not just a story here or a story there about the systemic issue of bad cops, bad cops, not all cops, but bad cops um, lashing out against African-Americans. Have you had the opportunity to cover some of those stories in your career and tell us a little bit about it without obviously naming names or things of that. Yeah, no, this is actually the first story like this that I've been on the other side of the lens covering when, when the Trayvon Martins and Eric Gardner's and Michael Brown's happen, I was at home watching it on TV, watching these events play out from beginning to end. And, you know, this is the first time that I have been telling the stories and it's been harder because like we talked about before, as a journalist, you're not supposed to show your your biases. And um, it, it's been difficult um, because there's so much emotion behind covering these stories and so much sadness and just listening to the people and interviewing people and what they feel about it. Um, and, and people of all races, seeing everybody come together for this has been moving. Um, and it is sometimes difficult to conceal that emotion and, you know, how I really am feeling about it. So from the people that you have covered in this, uh, in this current situation, from the people that you have talked to, from a journalistic standpoint, do you believe that they are crying out and saying, we have a problem? This nation has a problem. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to set up the question. Do you believe from those that you have covered that we have an issue in this nation? And if so, what is that issue or what are some of those issues? Well, I've covered a few protests over the last few weeks, and the people that I've interviewed are saying a lot of the same things. Um, they're saying that they're tired. Um, they, they're ready for change. They're tired of what? What are they tired from? Yeah, they, they're telling me that they're tired of the racism in our country. They're tired because we all know that the George Floyd is not the first person that this has happened to, but I think he was the straw this event was the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people and the people are saying that they're tired of having to continue to do this they're tired of their um, demands falling on deaf ears they're tired of feeling like they're not being heard um and and they're tired of the you know racism in our country and having to still deal with this so many centuries later so that's that's what i've been hearing a lot of in your covering some of these uh, protests, can you distinguish or is there a an obvious distinction between the protesters and the looters and uh, those that are looting and stealing and burning things down? Is there an obvious distinction between the two? Absolutely. And it's really important when you're telling the story to use the right verbiage. Um, when you're talking about a protester, you know, you want to say protester. But when you're talking about someone who started a riot, it's important to say you know, use the word rioter or riot because they're 
there's a big difference between the two. A protest is peaceful. A protest um, does not cause any damage or destruction or harm to people. A riot is the opposite of that. So I haven't interviewed personally any rioters or looters, um, and there hasn't been too much activity of that where I am. Um, but yeah, there's there's a big difference between the two. Um, and I've seen a lot that the rioters are not so much there for the cause. They just kind of want to cause destruction and break things and set fires. And it kind of gives the protesters a bad name because they're all happening at the same time. Everything is happening, you know, within days of each other. So it's hard for the public sometimes to differentiate, oh, well, there was a protest yesterday. And then that same night, there was a riot. How do we know that those weren't the same people? So that's what. Are there, are there just as many African? Are you seeing as many? Are you seeing more as far as the protesters? Are you seeing more? Is it majority African-Americans or what is the in your eyes? What is the racial and socioeconomic dynamic of those that are coming? The really surprising thing that I've seen is that these protests have been extremely diverse. I've seen black, white, Latino. Um, I've seen people from all religious backgrounds. And it that that is very powerful to see because I feel like that is what America is. You know, we are a big um, we're we're a big place of people made up of all different religions, backgrounds, nationalities, and and we come together to make this country. So seeing that, I think it's representative of what this country should be and and is. Give us a couple of, uh, is there one particular interview within the last 60 to 90 days that sticks out in your mind that has really uh, that has really affected you or maybe changed you? Um, there have been a few. One that I can remember was a dad that had two sons, and he said that he was at one of the protests to make sure that his sons didn't have to fight for the same thing that he's fighting for right now. And that stuck out to me because you know, I'm sure that his parents or grandparents were thinking the same thing when he was growing up. You know, if he was, you know, middle aged. So I'm sure his parents grew up or grandparents grew up during the civil rights movement. And when they were fighting for their civil rights, I'm sure they thought or hoped that they're the next generation and generations after didn't have to fight that same fight. But here we are and people are kind of saying the same thing that they were saying 40, 50 years ago. Amen. Do you feel as a, um, and again, I'm, I'm picking and choosing my questions because I want to get you, I want to, I'm asking you from a media standpoint, not as, uh, not as a member of my family that I love dearly. Um, but from that standpoint, do you feel that there that there is going to be a change, some type of a change that is coming out of this George Floyd tragedy? Well, there already has been. Um, and it's it's nowhere near what 
needs to happen in my own opinion, but there's already been change coming out of this. Um, you know, people are, the, the governments are, um, local governments are, you know, drafting legislation to remove Confederate statues um, or uh, statues of Confederate soldiers. And the um, they just decided to not allow Confederate flags or emblems at um, U.S. Marine bases, I believe, so um, or military bases. So that is, is small things that are changing and companies, you know, brands are trying to have more um, people of color working in their boardrooms and, and behind the scenes. So there are things that are changing because of these protests. They just passed um, the the law um, based off of what happened to Eric Gardner, where you cannot put anyone in a chokehold or that you can't injure or murder someone in using a chokehold. So things are happening. Um, I don't know how much change is going to happen in a short period of time. Um, and we still have a very long way to go, but some positive has come out of this tragedy. Let's go. Let's, let's talk about, uh, COVID-19. It seems that we have changed the narrative, um, and we have not been discussing COVID-19, this horrible pandemic that we have survived through over the last several months. First of all, I need to ask you and, and I'm, you know, how are you doing with your health as well? I'm fine. Um, I've been working from home a lot, uh, social distancing, wearing masks whenever I go out, washing my hands a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling good. I feel good about the way that my job is handling all of this. Um, so I, I feel pretty safe. Is there still an issue with a major issue with COVID-19 on June 10th, 2020? It seems to me that a lot of people have really forgotten about that we are still fighting this pandemic and the weather's gotten warm and people are taken to the streets. They're forgetting to social distance. A lot of no people don't have masks. Do you think that that is getting lost within the current dynamic of things? I would say yes and no. Um, it is still a very serious virus or else we would all still, we would all be back at work. You know, we would, everything would be back open in all 50 states. Um, but the reality is there are some cities where there's still a rise in cases right now. Um, but at a lot of these protests that I've been to, no people are not social distancing because there are hundreds and thousands of people. But what I have been seeing is almost everyone wearing a mask. So I don't think that people have forgotten about COVID-19, but I think people are just deciding that there's something more important to them right now. So, and, and you know, that's up to that person to decide that if they want to go out and protest or anything like that. But I have been seeing wearing people wearing personal protective equipment. Jordan, just to, to come around full circle, I'm so proud of you. I really am. Of the woman that you have become, um, you are standing on the shoulders of giants. 
you're standing on the shoulders of those that we share the same bloodline with. You are standing upon the shoulders of those in the 50s and 60s, both black and white, that bled, that lost their lives. Do you feel a responsibility to those that come after you? And if so, what is your goal as a journalist, as a young journalist? What do you want to do to prepare for those young men and women, black and white journalists that are coming after you, that are going to be the next Jordan Browns? What are you doing to, to, to help that? Well, it, I'm still pretty early in my career, but I am think that's something that I'm thinking about. What can I do to make sure that it's easier for the next person, whether that's, you know, being a mentor to someone or giving them tips that maybe I didn't get coming into this to help them get further along earlier um, or even in in my jobs that I'll have or I have now speaking up and saying different things to to advocate for change in the workplace so that people coming into this business and into this field you know don't experience certain things and you know not that I'm having a, a tough time right now but you know if something comes up using my voice to make sure that if there is an issue um that uh, the people coming after me won't have to experience that you know, it it really, what you just said, I get three things out of. There's been so many people that have called me lately, friends, that have said, what can I do? What can I do? Uh, I hear, number one, intentional. You have to be intentional about your efforts. Number two, uh, mentorship. And you don't wait for somebody to come to you and say, can, can you be my mentor? You have to be intentional to go somewhere and find a group of young people or a group of people to be mentors. And then thirdly, what I'm hearing, <clears throat> what I'm hearing you say is, is you have to seek to be, seek to be the change that you wish to see, you know, Jordan Brown, thank you so much for taking time to visit with me on your day off. Thank you so much for being in your lane um, on this day. Uh, do you have any parting messages or any parting words that you want to just say to, to people um, before we leave? Um, you know, we're going through a really tough time right now between COVID-19 taking over the world for the past few months and now um, the social un unrest in America right now. Um, but this is really simple and to the point, but I think it's effective this too shall pass amen amen jordan brown thank you very much for joining us and thank you all for the pleasure and the privilege of your time today if you want more information or if you want to hear this podcast again just go to soundcloud apple music or spotify and do a search for in your lane podcast in your lane podcast please go to the website richardlaneministries.com richardlaneministries.com com for more information and then finally if you would like to help make a donation to be able to continue the content that we're doing with this particular podcast please go to richardlaneministries.com forward slash donate again that's richardlaneministries.com forward slash donate uh in the meantime and in between time again thank you so much for the privilege 
of your time. Stay strong. And like Jordan said, this too shall pass. Until the next time, may the road rise to meet you in your lane. Peace. Peace.